0: Thank you for visiting New Song Community Church on the web at newsongpdx.com. We pray that you will be blessed by listening to the message today. You are welcome to celebrate with us in worship and the word every Sunday at 10 a.m. We are located on the corner of Russell Street at 2511 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard in Portland, Oregon. Good morning you stand with us, please. You're going to notice a little bit of a difference today. We're reading from the Word of God and I have been converted. Not really converted, maybe for a week or two, I don't know. We're going to use the NIV version. I know. And for years I called it the nearly inspired version. (laughs) But the Lord rebuked me for that, so I said, okay, it's the Word of God, so we can work with that. You'll find we're going to go into Matthew uh, chapter twenty four, verses fourteen through twenty eight, and you'll find the, your your responsive reading up on the screen. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants <clears throat> and entrusted his wealth to them. The man who had received five bags of gold went out, went at once and put his money to work and gained five uh, bags more. But the, the man who received one went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. The man who received five bags of gold brought the, uh, brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold, and see, I have gained five more. The man who a man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold, and see, I have gained two more. Says, well done. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came and said, Master, he said, I know that you are a hard man harvesting where you have not sown gathering where where you have not scattered seed His master replied, "You wicked lazy servant, so you knew I was uh, that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed." So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Is that it? Well, that'll work. (laughs) You get it. Let's pray. Father, I am so grateful that today we're going to talk about something that maybe it's not easy for us to talk about. We're going to talk about more than stewardship. We're going to talk about the fact of what we've been entrusted with. And Lord, the, the very fact of trying to even come to a conclusion or come to an idea or concept of, of being entrusted with something, today, if we only learn that, that'll be an introduction. And then maybe in the week that, that follows, we'll really understand how much you really trust us. Lord, I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would be here today and we would learn some things about how you've invested in us and how you, you are always looking for our success. And so, Lord, I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would overcome people here today that felt like a failure, felt like they couldn't do anything, felt like they don't have anything to give. Lord, today, open our eyes and we'll see that you're a God of miracles. You're a God that uses us the way that you would desire to. We give all glory and, and praise and honor to you as we look into your word today. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Look at somebody, look them in the eye. Come on, grab them by the hand and ask them this question What's in your bag? go <laughs> ahead and be seated so he said that's crazy why'd you make me say that before I even read my introduction I was tempted to take a vote today but I'm not going to do it this way I'm just going to make, make you aware of what you've escaped but as you look at this scripture it looks at people who've been given Five, two, and one. It'd be very easy for me to ask you say, how many of you believe you're a five? How many of you believe you're a two? How many of you have enough faith for one? And it would, might surprise you because a, a good number of people, <clears throat> this was actually done in another church. It was more spiritual than we are. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, but you'd be surprised. With all the opulence and wealth of that church, 80% of the people says, I'm a one. There's only maybe three or four percent that says, I'm a five, and a few of the people that really felt like, well, I'll stretch out, maybe I can be a two. Listen to me as I <clears throat> kind of get us started here. One of the most powerful ways that Jesus used to communicate to his disciples regarding the nature and operation of the kingdom of God was through Parables. Parables are religious, spiritual, divine stories that illustrate moral attitudes and responses toward situations in life. The beauty of these stories is they contain principles and guidelines for both believers and unbelievers to discover and engage in a deep relationship with God through the application of things that they will encounter on their journey through life on earth. If you look at a parable in the New Testament, you're going to find some stories there that you say, I can kind of relate to that. That really makes a lot of sense. Well, here, consider these questions. Question number one. Does the parable of the talents teach that all men are not created equal? You say, well, that's kind of a weird way to start. Because we know, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Where did I get that from? Is it in the Constitution? So it's in the Constitution, so it must be true. Or could it possibly be? There's an equality that God has that we cannot understand on earth. God loves us all the same. But you know what? The whole story here begins with, a, with something that maybe is disappointing to you. He gave things to them according to their ability. Amen. And I don't want you to leave here and go out the door and say, I just don't have enough ability. God knows what you can handle. The question is, how are you doing with what you can handle? Don't be judging the next person that's got all this other stuff. I don't think it's really fair. Honey, if you were in their their shoes, you don't want to be in their shoes. God knows what you can handle. Let me get to the next question. How is the level of your personal success measured by God? In other words, if God's looking and booking all the things that we're doing, then what's his, you know, what's his scheme? What's the thing that he's looking at to measure us? If we're not being compared to anyone else, then, are we just in a, a category all by ourselves? I'll answer that question in this message today or even next week. Number three Do you believe that the Lord was unreason- has unreasonable expectations of us for what he has called us or equipped us to accomplish? Because some of us, by our response, just to life in general, we say tired, defeated, and all these other types of things, and we wonder what is God doing? We make, it think, make ourselves think that we're being punished in some sort of way. And you know what? Jesus loves you all the time. In the midst of trials, tribulations, and things you'll go through. So somehow I've got to resolve that for you at some point. You know, one thing I can tell you for sure, for every person in this room, God has set eternity in every person's heart. Amen. Nobody had to, had to lobby God for that. every single one of you received that as a gift from God. The question is, how are you going to spend eternity? Where are you going to spend eternity? Well, we must be willing to take responsibility for the bag that we have been entrusted with. Matthew 25, 15. Let's read that again. It says, To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on on his journey. Now, as far as we know... It doesn't say in scripture how long he was gone, but he went off on a journey, and the implication is he was expecting something different when he returned. My question to you today is that the Lord has been gone for a while, and some people say, he's coming soon. I've heard that since I was a kid. But soon will be for you that every single one of us have an expiration date, and we don't know when it is. It could be today for some of you. Well, I'm only 39. doesn't matter. That pie wagon is waiting for you. Going around the corner, takes a a fast turn, and you are done. What have you done that God has wanted you to accomplish? Let's look at this. We must believe that Jesus knew what he was doing when he responded to our prayer for salvation. And I want to start at that very fundamental point, that when you got saved, you say, oh, I'm going to heaven. Really? Is there anything between heaven and eternity that God wants you to accomplish? Somebody say yes. God just said, just, oh, I'm going to save them, and they can do whatever they want, and then I'm going to drag them up in heaven, and we're just going to have a party. Are you kidding me? God has got more in mind. So salvation is the greatest gift that has been entrusted to those who have made a choice to believe in the words of Jesus. But salvation is more than a free gift. It's a divine, and I want you to remember this word, opportunity. Opportunities are given to people to, to find things about themselves that they didn't really know existed. You say, I never knew I could do that. I'm just so amazed at the things that when you're given an opportunity, they say, go ahead and try this. And, and you're kind of just going, kind of, I didn't realize that was in me. God wants you to discover things that are in you that he deposited from the very day you were born. Actually, before you were born in shape, God knew you. It's in the Bible. Before you took your first breath, God knew everything that's happening in your life. And so it's time for us to show some appreciation for that. So salvation is given to those who who realize that they are the servants of someone who has trusted them with someone else's riches. What you have right now doesn't belong to you. God loaned it to you. None of you who, some of you have an amazing degree of intelligence or abilities in this type of thing. But you know what? God loaned it to you. And you know what? He wants a return on his investment. Oh, boy, this is going to get rough. God bless you. A Christian, <clears throat> as Christians, we have a mission that the Lord expects us to accomplish, which means the great commission of the gospel to go and to share love, the love of Jesus with all men is an assignment for all believers. The riches that are deposited in you are for something for you to share with, with all people. So, what does that mean? It means that the parable teaches us that we, uh, what we are to do while we are waiting to inherit the benefits of heaven. And we, we are to work using our talents to glorify God. Which simply means this we must embrace the understanding of the word talent. And I want to do a little bit of research. So I went through all different types of, you know, different persons have taught on this particular thing. I read that and this type of thing. And I learned this word talent is a pretty unique word because it says talent. And many of us would say, well, that's just one talent. I mean, you're a one-note samba. You're one thing really good. Found somebody who does five, but you, do you do two. No, there's a whole lot more to it. And this hopefully will get, open your eyes to what this story is about. Bags of gold are actually a talent. So just take one bag of gold and say one bag is one talent. A talent represents, and I did my research on this, it represents six 1,000 denarii. Do you know what a denarii is back in, the, in Palestine days? A denarii is equivalent to one day's work. So he gives them, so if you have one talent, you know, associated with one day's work, and I did the math and going to our particular time and frame of how we, we uh, you know, equate money, a talent was equal to 20 years wages for an average worker. Oh my goodness. Changes the whole picture, doesn't it? It wasn't, like, here's a bag of gold. It's got, it's got $98.45 in it. Do the best you can. No. Grass, the reasonable understanding of this parable would be an answer to the question of what would you do? Because I put this math together. In today's money, what would you do? If God gave you, and this is a true fact, $1 million. That's what this equates to. Boy, forget about the $5 millions. He didn't give me $5 a million. Dollars. What am I going to do with that? Oh, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And remember, it's not your money. Amen. Ooh, some of you would be scared to oh, death. Oh. Get ready. We must focus on our attention on the fact that the owner of the bags of gold knew the amount of gold each servant could handle. So let's say at the bare minimum, every person in this room gets an, a million dollars. Can I get an amen? amen. What you going to do with it? Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. I ain't going to tell nobody first. Lock all my doors and close the windows and this type of thing. It would overwhelm you. But remember, there's a word in there I want you to understand. If you don't leave here with this understanding, this parable will mean, mean nothing to you. He entrusted that money to them. That means he had confidence in them to make good decisions with he, what he gave them. Can I ask you a question, and you're not gonna like it? I don't, really don't care. Did God make a bad investment in what He gave you? Come on, work with me, folks. He entrusted it to you. He, oh, I'm just, I, don't want, I don't want to make a mistake. I'm gonna go bear with him. and when He comes back, I'll be back to. Oh, you thought you, you thought you got away? He's, well, I know what. At the very least, I mean, at least I'll give him his million dollars back. God does not want his million dollars; He wants interest on His money. Y'all lazy. Oh, it's going to get worse. But here we go. So, as a believer, we are given resources according to our skills and abilities. We must never forget the resources belong to God, and he's entrusting us to invest his resources wisely. The number one resource that every single one of you have that is the same is called time. Nobody gets 25 hours a day. Everybody gets 24. Can I get an amen? Amen. Anybody confused on that? Go back to primary school, look at the clock, and they'll show you. 24 hours. How do you use the most precious resource that God has given you? Who do you spend it on? Oh, let's go from who to what. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to give you 15 seconds. And I want you to arrive at a conclusion in your own mind. I'm not going to ask you. I should, but I'm not going to. Where do you spend the majority of your time, of your 24 hours a day? I'm going to lay down. I'm going to give me some sleep. Something, some people say eight hours is good, ten is better. I'll let that marinate for a while. So, being a, 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 accountable for what we have, the greatest temptation we face is to compare what we have with some, what somebody else has. I don't know how this was distributed, but I have a suspicion that perhaps all of them were in the same room. And so, here comes Fantastic Freddie, he gets five. And Terrific Tommy gets two. And Wandering Willie gets one. (laughs) And when you see somebody else got more than you, you'll forget about what you have and you'll look at what he's got. And some of you have spent the majority of your life looking what everybody else has and you forgot what God gave you. You haven't given any attention to you. someday I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be like Fantastic Freddy. I'm gonna have me five, and you ain't done, done nothing with the one you got. You're a one note samba if we're looking, looking for a, for a concert. Well, here's the thing that you need to realize that you're not competing with anybody. Some of you that know me has known me for a long period of time is. I'm a Scrabble player. I'm more than a Scrabble player. I play Scrabble every day. It's totally not fair what I do. But I want to tell you how that thing got started. When my wife was pregnant with our first child, we had this one, this nice, big Scrabble game, and so we'd play Scrabble because she was, you know, know, she's kind of like in a position where she was having morning sicknesses about every day, every morning, you know. So... You ask her, it was, it, was, it was rough. Cayenne was a rough baby to carry. 27 hours of labor, finally. I'm saying, that, that was a mess. But anyway, so what she do is we play Scrabble. And so I go off to work and I come back. She says, okay, honey, it's time to play Scrabble. So we put out the Scrabble board. I didn't realize she's reading the Scrabble dictionary all day long. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she did. Woman, cheats. And then one time I said, oh, so she says, so she puts this, she puts this, this, this word on, on the Scrabble board, X-Y-L-Y-L. Now, you know in, in, in Scrabble, you can challenge, that ain't no word. And of course, she knows it is. She knows I, I sucker. she suckered me into that. She says, yes, it is. I said, no, it's not. Pulls out the dictionary. X-Y-L-Y-L is a univolent dissident. You say, so you what? (laughs) I ain't going to tell you how many points it's worth, but she put on a triple letter score and the game was over, okay? (laughs) My point in saying all that is that in that particular competition thing, I couldn't beat her, but I said, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Ask her if she'll play me Scrabble now. Oh no! Because it used to take me an hour or so to play a Scrabble game. I can do a Scrabble game in twelve minutes and beat the computer on a consistent basis. Because I made up my mind. Ain't no Scrabble board gonna take hold to me. <laughs> I am done with this, this humiliation. Will she play Scrabble with me now? No, 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 no. She want to retain her dignity. That's okay. It's cool. I'm not offended. I'm I'm, I'm good. I'm good. But we must focus on the goodness of the one who has given us an opportunity and trust with his treasure. The reason I gave you that story is that how do you invest your time to get better at what you're not good at? Oh, I'll never be this or I'll never be that. You know what your problem is? You're lazy. Jesus. You're distracted. You're without focus. And God says, and now here's, here's the key to the person who got the five. It's right there in the verse, and you read right over it. The Bible says, to the one who got the five, He says, He says, and, says, and the, the man who received five bags of gold went out at once. Some of you, I got five bags of gold. Look, look at what you're not give me. Invite you, like, I got five bags to go. Everybody come by, come on, we're going to celebrate. We have, let's have a party over my five. bags, ain't doing nothing with them. That's the reason why you didn't get them. Because God knew when he gave that other person five bags of gold that immediately he would go out and invest what he'd been given. So stop having your mouth poked out and being all sideways. The day that you make up your mind that you're going to put God first, your life will change. But right now, are you ready for this? God can't trust you. Ow! Here comes the word. L-A-Z-Y. That's an offensive word. Pastor, I'm just so busy. If you saw my schedule, the things I have to do, I just don't have time for I don't have time for myself. I I I barely make it from one thing to the next. I got to move on because I'll say something bad and y'all be hurt. <laughs> Our response to his generosity should be humility and thanks that he saw us worthy of his trust. Wow. Can I, let me. I'm going to address mostly as one baggers for now, and you can correct me later as you leave, saying, "I am not a one bagger. I'm a two. I'm a five, but don't tell anybody." I'm going to treat you like a one-bagger. With the one bag you've been given, what are you going to do? Well, the Lord desires us for us to discover what is in our bag. I'm giving a crossword for bag. Belief about God. That's really what it ends up. Do you believe that God knew what he was doing when he gave you that bag? I'm going to ask it again. Do you believe God knew what he was doing when he gave you what he gave you? I'm going to say it one more time because somebody needs to get saved. Do you believe that God knew what he was doing when he gave you the assignment? And I'm going to help you, if you don't have that belief, to realize that God did not make a mistake. Those of you that are weary and heavy laden, The Lord will be your resting place. But I want to let you know that God, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. If you're all beat up and you can't put it together, something's wrong. And I'll need to help you identify that. Well, Jesus wants us to be risk takers with his goods who share his commitment to his servants. Jesus has given the great commission to all believers to take the riches of his kingdom and sow them into the world. And that idea means that the Lord has placed complete trust in His servants to take His goods and sow them into the world to produce an increase. And so that simply means this that what God has given you is the power to sow some things into the world that will bring Him increase into His kingdom. All of this parable is about is about increasing the kingdom of God. I want you to forget about the money. It's like God's giving you the ability to sow into other things that will increase his kingdom. His kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is, is of a heavenly nature. But he's given you the power and the trust to do that. What does it look like? It looks like this. We must catch a vision of what he sees in us and serve him with honor and grace. I want to talk to people today that really feel like they're less than other folks. Because the devil will beat you down. You know, you know what he does once after you get saved. He reminds you all the things you did when you weren't saved. And God going to use somebody like you, and you were this, and you were that, and you you did all sorts of time. You did drugs, and you slept around, and you got a child out of wedlock. You got married and divorced, and he'll tell you all the things you've done that disqualifies you for being a servant of God. And by the time you're ready to have a breakthrough, then he reminds you again. The thing I want you to do today is stop living in your past. Amen. Stop it. Amen. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed, and God is no longer holding your past against you. When you came into his kingdom, he gave you, he put, entrusted you with the riches of heaven. Amen. But the devil will tell you, you're not good enough. Amen. And he'll repeat it over and over and over again. Well, some risks i catch a vision of what he says. Some risks are deadly. I know there's various people who tried to do things like, you know, jump across the Grand Canyon and do all kinds of crazy stuff, and it didn't work. But I want to tell you again: if you're if you die in the kingdom of God, that's not a waste. Do you know that the majority of, of the apostles before they left this earth? They were crucified, or they were somehow they were persecuted because they shared the gospel. That is not the worst thing that can happen. Actually, it's the best thing because you've invested your life in the riches of the kingdom of God. So I don't want to do that. i don't want to do that. Faith is actually a four-letter word: R I S K. What? My Bible says faith is the substance of things for the evidence of things not seen. You're right. But it's spelled R-I-S-K. Because you're believing that even though I don't see it, God's going to do it. Even though I don't have it, God's going to give it to me. You keep making all these different statements and saying, how are you going to do that? I don't know, but somehow I believe God's going to do that. It's called risk. Because what if he doesn't? The Hebrew boys, they had a problem. Because... Nebuchadnezzar wanted to bow down to this image, this gold image. It's when the music plays, how's the psaltery, the harp, and this other type of thing, you're supposed to bow down to the image I've created. And anybody who doesn't, they're going to end up in the fiery furnace. He said, hmm. Well, we know we're not supposed to do that. But, you know, but it, well, I'll tell you what, and here's, here's, the, here's the dangerous part. We can talk ourselves into things that God does not want us to do. Amen. We'll just bow down this one time and we ain't gonna do it no more. Ever done that before? Amen. I'm also gonna take one token. I'm not gonna take two. And you end up strung out, strung out on drugs. Oh, you went, down, you went down to Spirit Mountain. Oh, I'm gonna help you today, I'm going all down, there, down I'm gonna get all in your business. <laughs> or you went over to A. it's closer. I'm going to help you. Amen. And you went in there, oh, in Jesus' name, I just feel like I, I just feel the Holy Spirit's on me, and he's telling me to, 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 to be 22 red. <laughs> you went to 7-Eleven, Oh, I just feel the Spirit of God came upon me, let me go to the counter. let me get, give me, give me five tickets. I'm going to help you today because you've been lied to too long. God doesn't need you to fix anything for him. He wants you to be obedient to what he's told you to do. And he didn't send you to A&A. He didn't send you to 7-Eleven. He sent you to any of those places. Let me go back to the fiery furnace. It's probably a lot easier. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. I want to tell you how they made it out of that situation. First of all, they were not arrogant and pompous in pride. They said to him, said, oh, king, live forever. In other words, they honored the person in authority. But we will not bow down to your image because we believe that God will deliver us from you and your image. But watch this. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down. Folks, you have to have an assignment with God that says, no matter what, I'm not going to compromise my convictions to try to save my neck. Yes. Faith has risk involved. He says, so even if he doesn't, so be it. We're not going to do it. And they walk in the fiery furnace with, with this resolve. Either he's going to deliver us. in the the flames out of the flames or he's going to take us home to be with him but we're not going to bow down and compromise our convictions. Folks, you need to have a new conviction about who God is. Well, So I broke down risk for you in R-A-S-K. Number one risk is receiving the wealth of the gospel of Jesus sown as seed into fertile soil in the earth. Let the seed of God be sown into a fertile heart that's willing to obey God at any cost. The reason why seed doesn't doesn't really work in some people's hearts, if you look look at the parable of the seed, the sower of the seed, the seed can't get into hard ground. God wants to deliver some of us from hard-heartedness. You've been encased over your protective over these type of things because it's a tough, it's an unfriendly world. Let God soften your heart so you can receive the word of God, so you can bring forth increase, so you can do something that will bring glory to God. Let me go on to the next one real quickly. I, investing. Investing time, talents, and tears to bring forth increase of what is true treasure, the treasure of heaven. True treasure of heaven is souls. So how are you going to do that? Time. Talents and tears. The last part, I need, and this is not emotional tears, but it's a fact necessarily when you, it brings you to tears when you think about the people that are perishing, that have no hope. You don't have to conjure up tears or try to pretend like, oh, this is so awful. Don't stop it. But when it really reaches your heart to the degree, you know. Then we need to allow Jesus to do that. The next little place is supernatural. Risk is supernatural because there's a supernatural experience of the manifestation of the Word of Jesus, bringing forth miraculous results. Every single person in this room is a candidate to witness miracles happen. I was talking to a fellow in the gym the other day, and he, really nice guy probably about 30 years old or something like this. And he says to me, he says, we're just talking about general stuff. He says, yeah, he says, I'm really going through a hard time. He says, "Uh, my doctor told me, he says, I'm going blind in my left eye. He says, and if nothing, something happens, I'm going to lose sight in my left eye. And it could go over to my right eye. I said, okay. And without even thinking about it, I said, I'll be praying for you. He looks at me, he says, you'll be What? So I'll be praying for you, and we had one conversation before he had gone to church when he was a kid and stopped going to church, this other type of thing. He says, "Why would you do that?" I said, "Because so God could heal you." He says, "Well, oh, he says I'm not worthy of being healed." I said, "Let me tell you something. Let me help you with that. I dare you to pull out your Bible, dust it off." And look in the Bible in the New Testament and find me one person that Jesus, that, that Jesus worked a miracle on that was a believer. Oh, oh, oh. Of course, he raised Lazarus from the dead. I'll give him one. That's about it. <laughs> Everybody else was blind and stupid or whatever, you know. And Jesus comes along and says, you know, and man, pick up, take you up your bed and walk. And the blind says, oh, Jesus, Jesus, come help me. I just need help from you. And Jesus says, you'll receive your sight and this other type of thing. And then he asks him, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus heals people who aren't saved. He works miracles in people's lives who are not saved. So you folks, stop your little religious fear. You come to Jesus and Jesus might heal you. Jesus will heal you where you are right now. As a matter of fact, you'll get, you'll get so healed that you'll want to serve him. So I looked at him, he says, Oh my goodness. He says, You're serious? I says, Oh yeah. And I know that's stuck in his mind. Jesus doesn't heal you just to make you follow him. Jesus will heal you and you'll want to follow him. Amen. Come on, work with me, people. We're gonna have some time here. Oh boy. Let me hasten on here. Number, the K is knowledge beyond what we can see only by the power of the Holy Spirit that surpasses all understanding. Do you know each one of you that are here that are believers, God can give you, it may not be a constant gift, but he'll give you the ability to know things that you didn't know before. So said, what? He said, let me... And he'll say, he'll say, you know, I kind of feel the Holy Spirit's talking to me. Or you, and you don't have to preface it with the Holy Spirit because he'll probably run away. So, but I kind of feel like you're probably going through a hard time. And I, can I help you with that? Is there anything I can do for you? And i will say, how did you know? What I'm trying to tell you is that God wants to change your whole aspect. That he's put gifts within you that he wants to be released that will bring glory to his kingdom. I'm still talking to you one-horse wonders. Our belief about God is the key element to receive the bag of gold from him to invest to bring about increase. Matthew 25, 16. This will give us some. The man who had received five bags went out at once and put his money and gained five more bags. You say, well, you already told us that. i got to reiterate a couple of things before we close this aspect of the service. The Lord knew what he was doing when he gave five bags of first men. We must allow, not allow ourselves to be distracted by what the Lord entrusts to others. And you know, I wish I could say it wasn't true, but after many years of experience, competition still reigns in the church. She's got a solo and I didn't. They let, her, they let her serve on, on the serving team, and I wanted to bring the cookies. We get so petty, it's pathetic. Well, oh, Fine, if they're not going to use it, I'm not going to do anything in the church. They'll just have to call me sometime. If they don't call me, I'm not going to volunteer for anything. Really? And you've been gifted to do this, and God's already put it in your life? So it's now your gift, not God's. Ooh, Jesus, time to move on. We must not allow ourselves to be distracted by what the Lord entrusts others. Competition in the kingdom of God will breed contempt and division. When the church first got started, they had a big fight. One group of people says, our widows are being left out in the distribution of goods, and they're ready to do, they're ready to have war. I don't know whether they had placards, they've started picketing church, I don't know. But God had a solution. He says, it's true, when there's something that needs to be attended to, but God's got his solution. He says, find some people, some deacons in the church, that will make sure this is taken care of. You know what we need to do in the church Is trust God, the Holy Spirit, for his answer. And don't you come up with some concoction that will ruin everybody. The Holy Spirit's got the answer. And you know, we talk to everybody but him. Let's get a committee. Everyone want to be in the committee. You'll have 19 meetings and you will not solve one particular thing. First of all, you can't figure out where the meeting's going to be. Or what time it's going to be. Or who's going to be in charge of the meeting. We have got the politics of a particular party. We'll go anonymous. But it's crazy. I got to finish my message because some of you are, are marinating on that, so okay. The enemy would like us to believe that we have been disrespected rather than we have been an opportunity to work for the Lord. Let's go to Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 5, and verses 10 through 12, and I think it'll probably be the place for 1 through 5. For the kingdom of God is like a landowner who went out early in the day, in the morning, to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. Leave it there for a moment. That's where I got the denarius thing from. Denarius is one day's labor, okay? I going to let you know, I did my homework. Okay, Next, next page, number three. About nine in the morning, he went out, and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. Here's my word. God found you as a derelict. Didn't have nothing to do, and didn't nobody want to hire you. Feel good now? Verse five. Uh, verse four, four and five. He told them, You also go out and work in the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went out. Now I want you to hold on to that word, whatever is right, okay? He went out again about the noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. Oh boy. This is the part we've got to resolve. They all went out at different times. Some of them worked three hours, some of them worked six hours, some of them worked two hours. It's kind of messy. Let's go to the next scripture And I think this will resolve the situation. So when they came, uh, who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Isn't that interesting? These who were hired... Excuse me, these who were hired last worked only one hour they said and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day don't tell me you've never felt that way because you're lying <laughs> don't look at me all pious I've never felt that way before I just, whatever God wants to pay and it's perfectly fine with me you're lying you feel cheated you feel like you've been misused and abused and you feel like God isn't fair at all There is nothing in the Bible that says God is fair. Not in our standards. Well, I'm sorry, I got to get that off my chest. I feel so much better. So, the deal is, they all, some of these folks are ticked off. But the issue is, you knew ahead of time, that's what was being offered. Hmm. I need to put this principle into your life. What God puts into you is what he demands in return. My question is, what did God put in you? Isn't it fair? Or isn't it reasonable for him to have some return on his investment? The enemy of our soul will seek to sow seeds of discontent and strife to make us think that God is unjust. We must be careful not to allow a competitive spirit to rise in our heart, and Jesus knows our capabilities much better than we do. Let me just review this, this story. None of these people that were just kind of standing out had anything until God gave them an opportunity and says, Go out there and work and I'll pay you a denarius. Jesus found you when you had nothing. No hope and without God. And he says, come work for me. I'll give you a denarius. As the team comes back up here, I want to give you a couple things that will set us up for, we're going to finish this piece next week. Everything we gain in a transaction belongs to, a, to the Lord. Amen. It's not about ownership. It's about stewardship. And simply, the goodness of the Lord gives us purpose and significance so that we can be part of an expanding kingdom of God. Did you know that every one of us Before we came to God, we had zero purpose. I don't care what kind of job you have, and they give you all these awards and this type of thing, and you go into retirement, those rewards and sit on the shelf, the trophies and this other type of thing. The only thing you're waiting for after that is to die. Then what? The Bible says this, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. And the judgment for us is the very fact that God has invested things in us that are of eternal value. And the question is, what are you gonna do with those eternal things that God's invested into your life? This is part one of this this message. Everybody bow your heads. I wanna ask some questions and we'll get ourselves prepared for the part two. Father, today... There are people sitting in this room, and Lord, by their own confession, some of them would say, I'm just one. Maybe some have a little bit more faith to say they're two. And those who even have five, things have been entrusted to them. They're afraid to tell anybody because they don't want to be attacked by other folks. Because the people with five, Lord, they're ones that immediately they go to work and say, you know if God could entrust this to me, I owe him my life, and I'll do anything I can to be pleasing to Him. So Lord, I'm going to leave the fives alone. I'll address the issue next week, but the bag, belief about God. I just want to touch on one aspect of it. The one who got one, he took the gift that was given to him and he buried it in the ground. With your heads bowed and with your eyes closed, I want you to be honest with God. And if I dare say, be honest with me, I don't need you to raise your hand, I just want you to just think on this thought. You received some things from God, but you buried them. And I'm going to ask you today to go back to that place where you buried them. Ask the Holy Spirit to remind you and to dig them up and say, God, forgive me for not trusting in the trust that you put in me. Leave your heads bowed for a moment. I want to prophesy to a couple of people here today. Some of you have refused or been reluctant to pursue things of God because of your past. You've had a rough past. You made some bad decisions. I mentioned divorce. I mentioned prison. I mission miss an drugs and this other type of thing. But I want to you to know that God is not holding any of those things against you. He knew what He was doing when He gave you that. But it won't mean anything until you're willing to go to, call it the gravesite, and dig up the things that God wants you to do. Say God, you've entrusted this to me. The least I can do is to be a strong witness for you and start sharing the goodness, your goodness, with others. Can I continue my prayer with saying, Lord, I pray that you would remove all doubt, you remove all fear, you remove all pride, and you allow people to say that I'm going to dig up the things that I've just kind of buried and allow the Lord to use my life the way he wants to. There's two categories of people here that need to do that. One is the people who've never given their life to Jesus. The second category of folks is the people who've given their life to Jesus and then took the gift that he gave them and buried it. Both of you need to come to the Lord, come to this altar today and say, you know what? I'm rewinding, I'm starting over again I'm willing to let God do what he wants to do. If either of those categories fit you, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Stand up and say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something different. That's right, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Don't let the devil hold you hostage any longer, stand up. That means if you're ready to make a difference or a change or in direction, There's several people who need to be standing. I'm, I'm gonna pump the devil on this one, this one. You are not gonna hold these folks hostage unless right. she stood up. There's several other people. Stand up now. I'll break that curse off of you. Just let your pride go and stand up now and let God do the work He's going to do in your life. Thank you for listening today. We pray that you have been blessed by listening to the message. You are welcome to celebrate with us in worship and the Word every Sunday at 10 a.m. If you have a prayer need, we welcome you to submit it through our website. We'd love to pray for you. Will you consider supporting us with your prayer and financial gifts? God bless you.